we would like to acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the lands and waters where we're recording from, the Waramai and Wanarua peoples. We acknowledge the Waramai and Wanarua elders, both past and present. Whereabouts are you, Bruno? Where are you based? Sorry? Where, where, whereabouts are you based, Bruno? I'm a Cessnock. Oh, Cessna. I used to I used to work at Cessna. Uh, it's a really uh, tightly community out there. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's pretty good. I actually um walked down the street the other day and walked straight past the Johnsons and they're like, yeah, this is this is Dewey. <laughs> Who is on the field for the Newcastle Knights? Darren Tracy's first touch of the footy. Now Andrew John. Tights a little hole himself. He's close. Right. He reaches out. That's a tight to Andrew John. Root streak from the little halfback. And that's a good reward for a great game. It is debut match for the Newcastle Knights in first grade. Andrew John scores the try and that should wrap it up for the night. You know, I grew up in, in Port Stephens, and and you would see everyone that you knew at uh, Friday night the RSL, hundred percent. Like, you know, if they weren't the RSL, they're at the country club, and they're the only two places that people would be. On and so you could capture like like sixty percent of the people that you've met in your life <laughs> in, yeah. in two in two places, and um, and you know that's that's just that's the feeling that I got when I was working in Cessnock in the sort of community services centre that like. Uh, everyone knew everyone. You know what I mean? Like every, there was even as a visitor, uh, even though I was there for a year. I, I, you know, you could never. Every yeah, you just had to go in assuming that everyone was aware of everyone from that area, and it was. Um, it reminded me very much of Paul Stevens. Can I ask you, boy? Like, because we'll, we'll we'll obviously have a bit of a chat about the season review, and, and like we we've really enjoyed. Obviously, we started with a bang. Like we talked about the good stuff with the women's team. <laughs> Unfortunately, we do have to talk about the club as a whole this year. Yeah. But can I ask? Because it, it's funny listening to you talk about that, Ben Nagy. And uh, can I ask you, boys, what is it about rugby league? And I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the context for that question in terms of because I'm a soccer man. Yeah. So yeah. I I was raised on soccer. I played soccer, and I mean, see, it's a big deal for me now to call it soccer because I sort of spent my life not only calling it football but fighting people who wouldn't call the game football because the, well, that's the true football, and yet I, I've sort of just accepted that. You know, soccer won't be football in this country, and I'm yeah. sort of, a, a, you know, I've tied myself to rugby league now, for better or worse. What is it about rugby league for you that keeps you coming back? Whether it's the nights, whether it's the game, or for whatever reason, why rugby league? I'm, I'm happy to answer that first. Um, I'm not sure what everyone else would say, but it's uh, look, 
rugby league was always the, the pinnacle sport of the community. Where in Port Stephens, you know, uh, the Northern Blues into the Nelson Bay Blues, they had a long history there of being, you know, the Blue Bags and and, and all, all sorts of teams. Um, but it was the it was the pinnacle. It was the you played that code and and you know everyone came out to watch you. Um, and there was uh, it, it it represented the town well. If you remember back, like the, the year I started playing was uh, the, the year that what position? Leah, what position did you play, Nagy? Well, there was only one position for a dumb bloke like me, and that was in prop. So uh, <laughs> there was, uh, it was the year that Leo Denver was playing with the Northern Blues, right? And to 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 do pre-seasons with someone like Leo Denver and knowing the sort of um, uh, what, what what he had done and, and, and just the amount. And also, can I say, uh, in, in Port Stevens, when they're not playing rugby league, they're playing touch football. In, in, um, and they have such a rich touch football. Uh, you play touch football year-round and you almost warm up to the rugby league season. And to have someone like Leo there, and we had Robert Ralph um, from Parramatta fame. Um, uh, Parramatta Bulldogs. He played in the '98 preliminary. Anyway, um, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nagy. I'm so sorry. sorry. I've got a. I, I've got breaking news, and I need you to. I need everyone to stop because I have to tell you this. So Please. earlier, t- I can't. This is awesome. <laughs> So earlier today, Bredo and I were talking about the 97 grand final. Yeah. And Bredo asked me a question. I don't know if this is going to go to where. We'll, we'll see how I feel in the morning. Bredo asked me a question. He said, um, well, actually, I, I want to read the question exactly, Bredo. What, do you remember what the question was that you asked me about the 97 grand final? It's about the field goal. It is about the field goal. Yeah. So the, what I wanted to know was, whether Joey thought he'd hit it well enough that it was going to go over without being charged down. And I said, it wouldn't surprise me if he was saying that uh, he was probably going to miss just to just to stir the, the Sea Eagles. Now, I don't do this very often because I'm always wary of the fact that Andrew at any time could block me. He's going, fuck this guy off. What, what did I give him my number for? He hasn't yet. <laughs> <laughs> Correct, Joe. That's 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 proof of what a generous soul he is. I texted him earlier today. I said, "Hey, Andrew, your field goal attempt charged down in the '97 Grand Final. Out of interest, do you think that was going over?" And he just messaged, "No, was missing by a mile." <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> that's the feeling I had. Because because of the way it deflected so wide, I thought he must have sliced it. <laughs> And I, but you could never, you never had the angle from behind to see how he'd hit it. Yeah, you never did. Never, never had the cameras to know, like, you know. And, and look, you know, that, that I can bring back a point of, if, if we're talking more broadly about where I think rugby league has, uh, has NRL has uh, the, the issues that we have, it's a lot of the, the, the audience at home uh, and, and even the audience of the game doesn't have the access that it has now. And I know I've covered this with Carlo, uh, but that, that's, a, that's a great point to bring up is that those sort of, you, you never saw it, so you don't know. So you don't have an opinion on it. And oh, yeah. 
You know what I mean? But like the yep. access that we get now, the 18 cameras around the field or whatever it is, and the slow motion replays that we'll get just a snippet of, just to fill in the gaps of what the player was going through. Like, you know, and, and if it was a, a 2014 grand final instead of a 1997, like, and if, if you went for it, you would have had that behind the, the, the shot and gone, Never, never hitting. That doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, oh, 100%. 100%. Nagy, I, wanna, I want you to finish your answer. I'm sorry. I just, I was too no, excited. No, no, no. I no, had no, the no, But no. yeah, I, I want to hear the rest of your yeah, answer in terms rugby, of. Why, why I fell on rugby league, basically. Yes. Like, it, it, like, and, it, and it's just that, that, that and in, the, in, the, in that community, rugby league was the, was the benchmark. It was, and, and it was largely because of uh, people like uh, Robert Ralph uh, coaching the first grade. And, and running us through the preseason and really barking, probably like, you know, barking orders at making, you know, 17-year-olds feeling like very small people uh, and uh, putting the fear of God into us. And But having like someone like Leo Denver there uh, that we that we would play against in touch and then um, and that, that presence, and you could see the, the, the pinnacle, like this was 04, I think, or 05, uh, that you could see the the um, within the club, like you're like this is someone that's been there and done that, and uh, and and knows exactly what he's doing. And and in oh yeah oh five, I think it was Northern Blues when they won the comp. So uh, it was just like, well, that's how you do it. You know what I mean? Like you, you had like a you had a template there. You had someone that is. Um, that that um, that had all the ability and, and and could put it on show. So it was something that was uh, you know very exciting to see. Uh, Joe, Joe, Joe was, I'm more interested in Joe's thing because uh, uh, Joseph, of course, is a uh, a Joe's boy. Uh, so he was. Oh, hello! <laughs> the truth comes out. He would have seen an incredible amount of uh, rugby union talent in his high school days but still chose rugby league, and I'd, I'd be very interested to hear his, uh, his answer. Joe, take the floor, mate. Uh, yeah, so I was a couple of years ahead of Kurtley Beale at Joey's, um, so I don't recall watching him play. I was just, you know, being, being the tough guy, older student going, tuck your shirt in, chill out. Um, <laughs> Because that's what you do when it's like, this guy's going to be so much more successful than me. <laughs> I'll tell him off now. Um, no, we, um, I, I loved uh, Rugby Union when I was at Joey's because I watched Schoolboy Rugby Union and it is fantastic. Um, it still is to this day. And if you go through um, the, uh, the NRL, some of the, the best players still come from uh, the GPS schoolboy system uh angus crichton um cam murray um uh, a very talented and in no way filthy player by the name of tane milne um they some of some of the best uh still come from those schools but what i'm starting to understand now is that it is it's like reverse engineered and i'm not saying this is the case with any and all of them but what happens is the league clubs find a super freakish player and say, hey, we'll take you and give you a scholarship to one of these, you know, great schools where you're guaranteed a really good education and you'll play a level of football throughout that's going to be really high so that your skills will be maintained. And then when you're done, 
you come back to rugby league. Um, <laughs> which... <laughs> can, can, I just add, can, can I add? Can I add a little bit to what I was saying as well? Uh, Port Stephens is a really small community, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, Newcastle is the city that we all sort of uh, sort of bridge to. Like that is the aspired the to. Is, is that what you aspire well, to? Well, that's the town, but we didn't, we, we, we didn't have any connection to Sydney. Sydney doesn't mean anything to Port Stephens. Newcastle is everything to Port Stephens. And to see a, a team represent Newcastle is, is just the same to Port Stephens as representing that, that, that community. You know, we feel just as much in touch with them as, as we did with, um, but more so with them than, than anyone else. So... To, it's it's access. It's a, it's an access thing to see uh, a Newcastle side made up of people from you know everywhere from uh, Musselbrook to Taree to you know uh, to Port Stephens all you know, all in one team and then playing on television, which was pinnacle at the time. You know, it just, on a Friday night, it, it's amazing. It, it was something to really. Uh, to stir, it was people that you could access. It was people that you could see day to day. You could go to Newcastle and see them, uh, which you didn't have, you didn't feel any sort of connection to. So I think um, watching the Knights play uh, was like watching a little piece of, of your town play. Uh, but, you know, if, if, I don't know if that's the same if you grew up in... Um, Campbelltown or you grew up in, in, in you know, Coogee, like whether you have the same connection to those teams, mm. uh, whether it's considered one sort of like, well, this is one big city or maybe that's what uh, people from Townsville experience, you know, uh, but but it was definitely something that I went through um, growing up uh, in, in Port Stephens. Oh. Joe? Um yeah, yeah, I think you you have that um, definitely that connection and that connection to the uh, to the the city. And look, to be honest, it it helped to being being at boarding school really helped to cement um, that love of the Knights and that love of rugby league because it did help you to sort of like it it gives you a your sense of identity and it's it's your place and it's your patch, and so like. I know that there would always be kids when I was in primary school who like would be like, Oh, the Knights lost on the weekend. I go for the other team. Like, you know, insert team name here. Oh fuck. Like, like, People still do that as adults. It works. I know. And it, yeah. And it's like, <laughs> mate, it's been, you said the same thing last week and I know you're just stirring and like, I don't really care because you're just stirring and like, fine, whatever. Like you live in Newcastle. Andrew Johns is playing for this team. You're the one who's losing here. Um, whereas when, you know, when I was at school in Sydney, you have legitimate fans of other clubs. And so you do, you develop that, like, um, that love of your team that is also born of a strong hatred of other teams, because when your team loses, you actually cop it from fans of that team who it's like, yeah, no, I I know he actually is a fan of that team. Oh, this is the worst. Mm. So it was funny being at a school that is famous for its rugby union really steeled my love of rugby league. And having left Joey's where, as I say, the, the schoolboy rugby union, the, the competition there to this day is, is fantastic to watch. Um, you know, I, I would strongly recommend anyone and everyone 
get along to a game, Joey's versus Riverview, there'll be 20,000 people there. You know, they, they played the last one at Leichhardt Oval and famously part of the stand collapsed, which was, um, it was it was great. My brother um, still has Actually, mates. Why do they play Leichhardt when their schools are literally better than Leichhardt? Okay. okay. <laughs> Fair question. <laughs> like, you really... They, they used to tell us at school, they're like, you don't know how good it is here. And I'm like, fuck off, mate. I know exactly how good it is here. Pretty <laughs> whatever. And then you know, I look back on it as an adult. It's like, well, I really didn't know. Hey, like that that, that joint is ridiculous. It is sickening. Um, and yeah, they go and they play it. Um, they go and they play it at Leichhardt. And there's this super dramatic footage of like part of the stand collapsing and all these people going and getting fully chewed. And my brother sends me footage of like guys in the stand at the time because I think it was Max Jorgensen, who's Peter Jorgensen's son, had just scored the max winning, uh, the max winning, the match winning try. Um, he goes over and some bloke obviously gets his phone out to record the amazing moment, and that's mm. when it happens. And you see the collapse from the back. When you see it from the front, it is dramatic and terrifying. When you see it from the back, it's a bunch of guys laughing as it goes down and then laughing harder when they see their mates on the floor. Like, it's, it's a lot less upsetting when you see this footage of it. These guys are like, oh, fucking hell, that hurt, eh? <laughs> now, I know, I know what you mean, because it's the difference between watching a Stanley Kubrick film or a Farrelly Brothers film. You know what I mean? Like, it's sort of, it, it, it's all about the perspective that you take on it. In more breaking news, England just announced their team. Dom Young in, Kai Peace Paul in. Oh. Jacko Hastings not in. out. Yeah. Really? Um, did they name Victor? Victor is named, yes. That would have been a hell of a thing. It would have been great. <laughs> I'm pledging myself to England, and they're like, no, nah, we're all right, eh? Yeah, we're, we're better than that. We've, we, we're a league that's... Um... Oh, but let's, let's, let's be honest. England love a fool to get sent off. <laughs> God bless Adrian Morley uh, Brett, and Sam was, Burgess. And Sam Burgess, what was uh, what was your uh, peak moment for the love of rugby league? Well, hang on, no, Joe, because I, I, I want to let Joe fit, because I do want to get to Breno last. Um, but Joe, I want to I want I want to hear the last of your um, your thoughts on the love of rugby league and what brought you to the game before we um, move on. Oh, it's. It, it just sort of it closed out, as I say. I left Joey's. I stopped watching the schoolboy rugby, and I like tried to watch the Wallabies, or the the Waratahs, or whatever. And when I say that league makes sense, I mean that in a literal, yeah, like, literally. Like yes. I watch the game, and I'm like, I know what's going on, right? I can understand the rules. I try to watch rugby union every now and then, and I've still got mates who are keen, and I'm happy to go to the pub, and you know, I've, I've got a grasp of it. But some of the stuff that goes on, like. How is? Did you guys watch that game? Yeah, where yeah sorry. I know exactly two you guys, <laughs> two guys. Yeah, did you watch that game? Where? Yeah, yeah, yeah I know what one you mean. Like, <laughs> two guys got yellow cards for attempting intercepts. Yes. And not not catching the ball clean. I'm like, why would I want to watch this game over and over again if that's what you're dishing up? Like, that is a rule that you have. You can't you can't fail in an attempt to to what would essentially be scoring a try. Like, mate, you, that is that's bonkers. That is it's so, so stupid. It's so funny that you say that, um, uh, Joe, because 
One of the, criti- the criticisms of rugby league that union fans make is union fans will say, well, rugby league is too monotonous. It's just five, cac- five tackles kick, five tackles kick, five tackles kick. I-, I go the other way on that because I say, no, 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 no. That's why rugby league is actually more unpredictable because you've only got five tackles. You need, you've got a limited time to make something. When you're in rugby union, see, for me, the monotony is in rugby union. That's why we've got a little bit of, rid of unlimited tackles. That's why league Exactly. Rugby union is just outside man, hit up, ruck. Outside man, we'll do that 18 times. Okay, we'll kick. And then we might get stuck at a heel. Kick back, kick forth. Kick back, kick forth. There's no, there's no rhyme or rhythm. There's no reason to the game. But with rugby league, right, we've got five tackles to make something happen. We might go 50 metres. We might go 20 metres. We might kick. We might pass what? You, you, because you've got such limited opportunity. It, but it's like you say, rugby league is just a game that makes sense because there's some structure, but there's the structure that allows you to do anything as the game happens. Bredo, I, I, I'm going to jump in here and just very quickly get mine out of the way because um, you've been a, like you've been a really good friend of mine for a while now, and I I love your rugby league story. It, it's sort of um, it's a part of you, and I want to save the best to last. I've been dying to hear that one. No yeah, offense, yeah. Carlo, but I've I've got a no, 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 idea that, of yours. That's fair enough. Bredo has has been the. Uh, the, the what is it the uh, the rules for a great rock band is uh, you need a charismatic frontman and a guitarist with mystique and um, <laughs> Bredo just oozes mystique. Yeah, correct. Yeah, well, and he could still be playing the guitar. So I'll, I'll just very quickly say so. I, so I went from Canberra to Newcastle to Port Port Moresby. I was never going to have any choice other than to until I was about fifteen. I actually genuinely thought rugby league was the biggest game on the planet. Because you, you sort of you go from uh, Canberra, where everybody, you know that 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 bred into the Raiders. In the late eighties, everybody was about the Eels going into the Newcastle Knights, and it was a massive deal for me as a as a young white kid in Port Moresby. Like, hey, that we're overseas and they're talking about Newcastle. Does anybody not get? They're talking about Newcastle overseas this this has to be a big deal and so i just assumed that of two places that i had some existential experience of where rugby league was the biggest game in in their existence i just assumed rugby league was the biggest game in the world because you sort of look at the world cup final as well in 1992 where great britain and australia and the kangaroos are playing in this packed house in in wembley and I was like, oh, yeah, see, rugby league is dominating soccer over in England as well. Like that's – and so it sort of reached a stage where in the late 90s, even when I was back in Sydney, and they were trying to make the Swans a thing. But this Andrew Johns in Newcastle was making – like in in Sydney, rugby league coverage would be – well, we'll talk about the Eels and, yeah, obviously the Roosters and, oh, Andrew Johns did something in Newcastle. And so for me, it was like when I left Newcastle, it didn't matter if I went – Elsewhere, this rugby league team kept, and it sort of just stayed. It just sort of stayed in the blood from there. And so, despite the fact that I was, and I say I was too small, I was never too small for rugby league. I was a very big kid. I was too weak-minded to play rugby league, but I I couldn't handle the physical contact. So I would play a lot of soccer because I didn't have to worry about getting tackled. Um, but following rugby league. Was just it was just always a part of what I did in my spare time. When and the nights, 
I, I still remember back in the 2000 season when I, I sort of came back to Newcastle a bit and, and Dad and I started to go to these Knights games again and 20,000 people minimum. You'd have to – it'd be like uh, back in the early days of um, of uh, sort of trying to find your – Find your patch of land on the on the um, up on the hill. Sort of, uh, you, people didn't want to encroach too much in your space on the hill. Um, yeah, I think just being a part of Newcastle, it just meant that I inevitably was going to um, land back in rugby league. That's all I've got. <laughs> all right, Brett. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful story, Brett. Um, and I know I built you up a little bit before, but the, one of the reasons is that because um, you've probably played it at a level uh, certainly a lot more experienced than the rest of us have. Um, and I, yeah, what what does what does rugby league mean to you, and why does it still mean something to you? Um, well, rugby league was the game that you could watch live on TV for starters. So when I was a kid, you know, you the Sunday live game of the ABC. So that was that was my introduction to rugby league, you know. It was the one live game you could watch was Saturday afternoons. And I remember watching, you know, the early mid-80s, Canterbury, Parramatta. And I was a Parramatta fan then just because I had family members were Parramatta fans. Parramatta were the team boys on telly because they were the best team. So that's sort of where, you know, it sort of got my interest in rugby league. But when I was... So, so in, the, in that age, you know, at that time I was hitting age to play sport, you know, under sixes. And, uh, and it was a choice, rugby league or soccer. And my first year of team sport was soccer because I, I'm from, I'm from uh, Wall's End and Wall's End's pretty much divided. Half half of Wall's End loves soccer, half of Wall's End loves rugby league. And it's big big with both. And um, and I, yeah, I played soccer and I was I was okay at soccer. It wasn't particularly good, but I, you know, I used to just muck around with the footy and I, I was, had a bit of ability with the, with the footy. So the next year I thought, well, I'm going to be better at footy, I think, so I'll play footy. And that and that's where it started. I started playing um, a little bit of footy. Then we moved up to um, to Beresford, where it's all footy. Beresford as a, as a suburb is rugby league. You know the Bears. They wear the blue. They wear blue and gold. So you know they had the Parramatta element to it. And um, and I actually have played with a few guys that become Knights. They didn't they didn't make first grade, but they're all you know Knights reserve graders and stuff. And and we had some really good players. And we were really good. You know we we, we I think we won the grand final one year, forty something to nil. And and I've Oh, hello, Manly. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. And you know, and then that whole that whole area, you know, like Woodbury, which has produced Payne Haas and stuff. So there's a you know, there's a pretty pretty decent standard of rugby league there. And um yeah, that was under nines, under tens, that sort of stuff in the late eighties. And I just you know, you know, and I made some rep sides and you know, some little kids rep sides, you know, some and that and thought, Oh, I'm pretty good at this game and then we and eventually moved back to Wall's End. Um would have been the end of 88 to the 89 season started playing for the walls and tigers and and we, were, we had a pretty good side then too and i was i was just good at the game i was like oh this is pretty easy and um didn't really have a position i played <laughs> played, played, played a bit of fullback played a bit of five eight didn't really have a position but i was pretty fast you know to be a little black kid i was pretty fast and um and then yeah and then and then the knights and i started getting interested in the knights so i was you know i was i'd go play footy on a saturday go to the knights on a sunday with some friends, um, yeah, and that and that sort of grew the passion. And as I sort of progressed through through the ages, I um I got I got really it's really interesting actually because I'm a bit I'm a bit of an analytical mind. So the idea of rugby league to me was I used to even as a kid, even as an eleven and twelve year old kid, I used to love the 
the analytics side of rugby league. You know, I used to love thinking about the games, which is really strange for a kid of that age. But I, I used to really enjoy thinking about the game. And the coach one day said, all right, you're not going to play big positions anymore. You're going to play 5'8". You know, this is going to be your position. You know, watch these guys play in the NRL. You know, watch your, your Laurie Daly's, these sort of guys play. This is what you're going to play. And I thought, oh, this is cool. I like this position. I get to, you know, watch watch these great players play. And it's a, it's a sort of it's a good position because you, you've got the the combination of you know you're you half a running player you're half a you're half a ball player and and um and you know i got and i got pretty good playing five eight and i just thought how good's this game like you, you know if you've got good hands you can be a good player but you know if you, if you just tackle people hard you can be a good player if you're fast you can be a good player you don't need to be good at everything there's something for something for everybody and I just loved it because all my mates could play because, you know, I had mates that were big. So, yeah, come and play footy with us, mate. You can play in front row. We'll put you there. Another had another mate who was, like, a really good tackler. He had no idea how to catch a, catch or pass, but he'd tackle anything at the move. So we put him in team. He played second row, and he just tackled. You know, and I loved the idea that everybody could just play. So, we, so it was a game with all my mates because every, every game, and we – um. And that's what we did. Like under twelves, under thirteens, under fourteens, was just playing with my mates. So I didn't really take it seriously. But I always had this analytical idea of rugby league and and how it could be better and how I could be better. And then eventually, yeah, went and played decent levels at um, at West. And just you know, not not a super high standing. I was, I was just a pretty standard player at that sort of level. Played in some rep teams and whatnot. And um, but there's some really good, obviously standard players in that competition. And I just and just to watch great players play. And I remember, and I tell, tell a story all the time. And you know, I played against Bedsy in schoolboys football, and and it wasn't even Bedsy. Oh, Craig was also in that team. And I just like seeing these guys who were incredibly good, just going, how good? Like, and then, oh, and Craig being a black fellow, I was like, this this is incredible. This guy's going to be a superstar. This little black kid from the bush, he's going to be he's going to be amazing. And and I just and that's what I love about rugby league. Like it just. This this stupid game where you know blokes just run into each other <laughs> and kicking this stupid ball around, but these poor kids like these because like, I'm working class walls then you know like I'm working class through and through black kids you know kids from really tough backgrounds like a few players I played rep footy with from Windale and stuff you know really tough backgrounds and that and this game made them like these heroes because we go and play you know on a Saturday at Harker Oval and there'd be a good crowd there and, and you'd be getting cheered and, you know, the the red and green banners, uh, streamers everywhere. You're like, how good's this? Getting treated like stars. And um, and that's what I just loved about it. I just loved that, you know, you just, yeah, play this stupid game, made you feel so good about yourself. And, and I really, and it really sort of developed as I got older, that, like just these kids that I knew that were, when they were young, were shy or, you know, they, they'd had tough upbringings, you know, and they sort of, they're a bit sort of, you know, a bit within themselves and rugby league just brought out who they really were. And I got to know all these, all these guys that I still talk to now that were just, you know, that were incredible, incredible young fellas back then. And they've grown into being incredible men. And, um, and then I joined, you know, and I did all that. I played, played for West and I played some rep teams, but I was never, I was never a star. And, um, and then, yeah, I joined, joined the Navy when I was 18, just in this, after not long after the 97 grand final. And, um, and, you know, it was sort of, it's obviously hard, you know, you're Navy, you're not, you're not at home very often, you're away, so it's hard to play organised sport, but I played played rugby league in some Navy sides, and I played a bit of union, union huge in the Navy, so I played played plenty of union there and kept, my, you know, kept myself sort of sharp and whatnot, and, and, um, and then, yeah, come back to town, 
not long before the 2001 grand final, probably maybe maybe halfway through that season. And um, and then, yeah, just kept playing. I, I was actually wasn't, had no intention of when I come back playing rugby league. And then 2001 just got me, oh, fag, hag, just, oh, the footy bug was back. But then from then on, I, you know, I'd sort of, I'd given up hope of playing at a high standard. I just wanted to play pub footy. And, um, yeah, I played, you know, some lower grades at Waratah with some mates there, and we just played pub footy, and I just, yeah, mate. And honestly, there's nothing more enjoyable than, than smashing the crap out of each other for 80 minutes than getting on the piss all Saturday night. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, the best, it's the best thing in the whole world. And, um, I can confirm the second part. <laughs> <laughs> and and I just, I don't know, I've just, and I moved up the bush, I moved up the Gunnedah, you know, I moved up the bush, and, and, and rugby league, it's, it's, it's rugby league through and through that place. So I played a bit up there, and it's just, yeah, I did every, everything of my whole life. I've just bounced around rugby league. It's the one constant I've had in my whole life. It's um, yeah. But as I said, like it, it really, really just captured my attention. Like when I was a early in my early teens, I was just like, how good is this game? Like it looks so basic and it is so basic, but there's so much behind. You know what makes someone good at it? And, can I? Um, and Brenda, yeah, that's what I... that's what people that don't get rugby league don't understand. That's like through thirteen meatheads running into each other, and it's not because you know you can thirteen meatheads running into each other. Is is easy like that's an easy game that's NFL, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, but no, it's um, can, yeah. Can I it's, it's, as I said, it's it's it was such a game because all the mates could play because it was the game where yeah you you had you just had to do something whether you could kick or pass or whatever you just had to do something and you could play rugby league and yeah I love that's why I loved it. Can I say, Brenda, you really uh, nailed uh, something on the head there when you said that. After like years after you refer back to the games and, and that's something that I've experienced. Like, you know, I, I won't see someone for 10 years and then, but we played in the same rugby league team and then you run into them again and you start talking about footy. You start talking about those days and there's something really like special about that. When, when 10 years can go past and, and 15 years can go past and you see them again, and then you start talking about the times that you had in the field, or the wins that you had, or the grand finals that you had. And it's something really special that I that might be the same across you know across codes across sport, but but really it's it is like something that you know you, you hold on to and you, you you cherish within yourself, and you can share that experience of like look, we, remember back when we were seventeen and we had that game against you know, West Wall's end and this happened and then we were, you know, it was stacked up against us and we, and we won. And it's incredible, like, it's incredible memories. And, and as, like, it moves in to, um, you know, more and more modern day, there's sometimes even, like, videos of it. And But I've always, like, I love a good story. And I always think the story is better when it actually happened. Because there's sometimes when I will will retell a story or or hear hear back about you know have an exchange about what happened and then you walk, you rewatch it like you have the ability to actually pop it on like a, a disc and then you're like it doesn't seem as good but and, but at the time the memory that that it holds like the cornerstone memory that it holds in your life you you remember what happened you remember being on the field you remember being exhausted and then you remember like coming through with a with a result. And and then you know to be able to, to 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 meet other people that have that same they've gone through a whole different life 
but you you reconnect at this point and say, you know, you remember being there at this time, and it's like this real sort of like, um, you know, when you were you know you sort of uh, match with adversity or you know you had you had to challenge yourself, and and this was the outcome. It's it's something that I think all rugby league players. Uh, can really hold dear, like, and it doesn't really matter whether you're playing at Thora Creek in front of 20 people or you're playing in front of a thousand people, or, or, or it, it, it still has the same impact on everyone's life, which I think is is uh, can sometimes be lost a little bit on um, on, um, on on sport. Like, it's just it's it, it held such an important part in all of our lives. Bretto, you said something, and I think I've got this right, that everybody in this podcast tonight has played rugby league in some form or another. Some some of us high, a high level, some of us at a, you know, for a shorter period, <laughs> me. Um, but, uh, Bretto, you said something before, where when you're playing rugby league, it gives you an idea of the the, the man or the person that you are. So, we, we, you know, we, we're probably getting a little bit uh, deep here, but I want to put it to everybody else. What, is, there, what type... is there a better forum, Carlo? I think this is a great forum to do. <laughs> <laughs> I want to put it to you, boys, and I'll, I'll kick off in terms of well, what person do you think you rugby league showed you to be? And I can tell you now that the, the person or the man that rugby league showed me to be was um, confused, and a little bit, little bit scared uh, because when I played as a twelve-year-old up in um, Moresby, I was playing against giants, and I was, you know, for all of my size, I was a front rower, and now yeah, I shouldn't have been a front rower, but it was fun, and uh, because I got to play rugby union about twenty years later, and when I was involved in in, in a tackle or in a ruck or something, I was like, oh, the the physical contact, it's it. Like, you obviously feel it, but it's not as frightening as you think it's going to be. But I remember rugby league was the game that sort of showed to me is sort of, you know, I, I do have a little bit of that that fear in terms of well, what, what's what's the what's the competition or what's that interaction going to do to me and that, and that confusion in terms of, well, how do I, how do I sort of uh, get involved with it? So that, that was probably the aspect of me that, that rugby league, you know, showed in terms of my characteristics. So I'm I'm exactly probably the opposite to that. Like rugby league sort of showed me that I I'm my controlled aggression actually has a place in the world. Yeah. So I'm so even as a kid, you know, I was a wild, I was a wild little kid, you know, and I and I always just get myself in trouble. But on the rugby league field, I I realised that my, if I can if I could harness my aggression, it was a huge advantage for me. So it sort of showed me that yeah, like you know, like being being a bit of a, a bit of a loose cannon. Yeah, it's not a great way to live your life, but if you can control it, it certainly has its place in the world. It's almost the same as Brenda. That, that's uh, I think watching a recent interview with uh, Shane Webke, he said almost. Oh, that's the that per- that's the player I was trying to think of. Yes, that's it exactly. And uh, it, almost word for word there, Brenda. And I think that that's what rugby league gives a lot of uh, uh, you know a, a lot of kids trying to like whether they be you know, uh, 10 or 14 or 18, like, and it, it gives a pathway. And, uh, you know, why I think this is important to talk about is is because it's it's so rarely mentioned. It's so rarely, like, analysed. It's like it, rugby league seems like a sport for people to to be able to go out and, 
uh, bash and, and, and crash and, and, and whatnot. But I think that outlet is something that is not highlighted enough that it's like it, it can give um, adolescents that, that have that, that pre-determined sort of um, uh, predisposition to the game sort of an, an outlet as well as to be part of something, to be part of like, you know, it, you know, you've got 80 minutes on the field, and then, it, but it's part of a, a season, and then it's part of the community, and then you, you know, instead of looking up and, and seeing, you know, you're like, oh, I've just, I've, I've given into my aggression, and it's been a negative thing. It's actually been a positive thing in, in this in in this controlled environment. Um, yeah, I, I, I think what you've said there, Bretto, really should be. You know, it, it's something that I think a lot of people share, and but not a lot of people can probably identify or acknowledge within themselves that that rugby league has given them. It, it, it's a quality of rugby league that gets undersold. Yes, because yeah. it, it's an opportunity. There's this, and again, I go back to what I said before. There's this framework for you to sort of. There's this structure, but explore that structure, and and it's an opportunity to take this violence and aggression but within a framework where you can do it on a healthy basis joe i'm i'm dying i I, i'll be honest with you i'm dying to know your answer to this what kind of man did rugby league uh say to you this is this is this is a quality about you that you that is going to be highlighted when you take the field uh I'm the strong, silent type. Yeah, I can see that. Nagy laughs because I'm the loud. <laughs> see, I, I can't comprehend someone else being loud because I'm me. So, <laughs> no, I'm. Uh, I, I I think too much. Uh, I overthink things. I and it was. Look, I was. I'm just terribly uncoordinated i'm a very uncoordinated person i made my peace with it a very long time ago um that's that's okay uh but yeah like i can't catch i can't pass but like i was i had that sort of um oh oh, mate yeah it's not great um when you're playing rugby league um but like if if we're playing we're playing Oztag, like this is only a couple of months ago, and the ball was like floating towards me, like coming towards me from the kickoff. And I was like, What do I do? What do I do? Oh my god, it's gonna come straight into my bread basket. I know. I'll I'll bump it off with my chest so that it goes onto the floor, and then I'll pick it up from there. And like I went through all that in my head before my brain came to we well, could just catch it. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's going to come exactly where you want it to be for you to catch it. How about we catch it? And I was like, yeah. And I caught it. And then, like, I played the ball or whatever and went off to bludge on the wing. And my brother, like, came over to me and he was like, what was going through your head when the ball was coming to you? Because I could see your brain ticking over. And I was yeah, like, Joe was like, good oh, question. Yeah, I'll tell you later. Hey. Um, I'll, like, write in, I'll write in my memoirs. Can I just yeah. say quickly that the, the, <laughs> these three, the, the three people that I'm sharing the pod with, uh, uh, Joe, Carlo, and Bretto, can I say that these are like three parts of my mind when I was playing rugby league? It was the fear, it was the uncoordination, and then there was the aggression that I all had. Is <laughs> <laughs> this like that I'm sitting on the couch and I'm realizing more about myself when I was a younger person? <laughs> I'll tell you what, Bart, the first time I ever got whacked, like, I mean, whacked, like, when I was old enough to, for it to really hurt, 
because my whole the whole sort of I was probably about twelve or thirteen, and a guy got me clean under the ribs like Saturday morning, freezing cold under the rib cage. Thought I thought I was going to die, and I and I and I eventually when I got up and I went off and I come and I sort of sort of got my bearings together on the sideline. I just went. That's the worst it's going to be. Yes. Yeah. You know, that, no, like, that's exactly right. That hurt like a motherfucker, and I don't want to happen again, but that's the worst it's going to be. Because you like, um, because I was like, okay after that. Because the first time you really get hit, and I'm talking, you really get hit. Like, you feel like you're, all of your bones are broken. You're never going to be able to breathe again. Like, you, but you get back up again. You Because you know what, like, you know what I mean? And you sort of, you, you, yeah. you get up. And you don't. You're right, Bretto. You don't want to go through that again. But you go, oh, okay, I, I got through that. And then you you get back into it again. And it's sort of, man, the the um the uh, the beers really are starting to hit hard. But it's a little <laughs> bit like Rocky and Rocky Balboa, where he sort of says, yeah. it's not about how That's hard you can. It's not how hard you can hit, but it's about how much you can get hit, and you keep getting back up again. And one of the things about rugby league is that, yeah, you take that impact and you go, well, that, that's fucked. I, I don't ever want to do that again, but I'm still standing. And you go, this, and you go again. This episode should just be called Rugby League of Philosophy. Like, yeah. <laughs> we still have the, Well, you know what? It's funny you should say that, Nate, because, you know, we're sitting here talking about how hard it is to be getting hit in rugby. We've still got to talk about being a Knights fan in 2022 <laughs> in the NRL season. I mean, we've got much more uh, difficult stuff to get through. Uh, this, and I think that's a perfect... Um, Can I just say quickly there, I've had my nose broken seven times playing rugby league, and not once has rugby league physically hurt me more than watching the Knights play. <laughs> you are listening to the Bay 53 podcast. Let's segue into the 2022 season. Now, gentlemen, I sort of, because uh, we've been talking a little bit this week in terms of what we were going to have a chat about for this episode or these episodes. It depends how much I feel like um, whether we one or two parter. And one thing I did say was it's been a long year. And it, it sort of feel. I think you'll all agree with me, it feels like it's been longer than most. And one thing I did sort of say was, look, if you do nothing else, Let's just all of us pick our three best moments, which I think I've got a feeling there'll be a lot of shared moments there and our three worst. And let's be honest, that could be a wide variety of things. But look, you know, 2022, Knights fan, there were a a couple of great weeks and not so good weeks in between until we waited for the women to start. That's the most... That's the most like politically response to the to the yeah. season that we've had. Like yeah. there was there were some great weeks and some not so good weeks in between. Yeah, it's just that the in between bits just seem to encompass the entire season. <laughs> but I mean, guys, what with the men? What the fuck happened? Like, and that is a genuine question. Like sometimes you get to an end of a season, and you're like, well, that sucked. What the fuck well, happened there? But. This and and because Bredo and I have said this a couple of times on the pod, it's that we assumed that the one and a half win season would be the worst we'd ever experienced because surely we couldn't experience a zero loss, a zero win, sorry, season. And yet this felt like the worst season we've ever experienced as a Knights fan. I'll tell you what, I, I reckon this year has exposed the team, the club, and the fans to one thing. 
actually how much is wrong with this club. I think every all the all everything has been papered over. You know, Adam O'Brien sneaking into the finals a couple of times. Then we we sort of you know we wrote off the rebuild as the rebuild. All those things that everyone had justified our last ten or fifteen years as this year oh. got brought to bear. We actually were actually exposed for all the things wrong with this club. And my lord, there is some things wrong with this club. So is this is this the season we had to have? Is this the recession? No, are you what, being Paul Keating, Brad, and saying now, this is the year we had to have? Club, if this club doesn't build on this and go forward consistently from now on, it should no longer exist. Well, I'll, I'll jump off what Bredo has said there, and, I, and, and sort of to answer your question, Carlo, there's a, a, this is not the, the necessarily the season we need to have, but this is the crossroads that we needed to hit. Because we've come from uh, recent memory where we felt like we've hit the worst season possible in, like, say, 2017. I don't think we can go... Like, you can even go back to, you know, 2015 is probably a better example of, like, oh, we hit the spoon, you know, we, you know we're, we're losing in touch with the finals. Oh, this is the worst season that we can have. Uh, and then we move into a worse period. Uh, and we, we've been in the doldrums there where there has to be a complete rebuild where we're basically playing, you know, uh, juniors who aren't ready for rugby... Uh, aren't ready for first grade uh, up into the front and center. You know, do I dare remind you of the Brockland, uh, 20-year-old Brockland? I'm not putting anything against him, but he was 20 years old. And Jalen Feeney, uh, you know, starting over the lives of Trent Hodkinson. Um, and, and this is a time where there needs to be a proper uh, relook and reset to make sure that it's not about, uh, or how can we get back to this top eight? But it's like, how can we get back to playing competitive football? Because I think, we can all agree that there were teams uh, like Brisbane, for example, who played some very good football throughout the season, but just couldn't uh, couldn't cut it uh, in the in the top eight. I think there's there's if I'm looking at it and I'm being kind, and I will be kind. There's uh, there was just a couple of things that fell down for us, and and uh, I think the, the the name on everyone's lips is is Jaden Braley. Uh, Jaden Braley dropping out in the beginning of the season was a real you know, kick in the guts for us. And, and and that was something that we all thought potentially we could get through, but really we were thinking we already have an inexperienced spine and we're hoping that the the, the loss of Jaden Braley could be covered, but really he was going to be the cornerstone of our season uh, and, and losing him uh, uh, proved, proved to be so. I think this, this the, we, we suffered two injuries after that that really hurt us. One was more of a mental injury. Uh, and in, um, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll say the physical injury first. So the physical injury in Adam Clune in, into his, uh, you know, playing through his knee injury in the early early stages was um, was always going to be devastating for him to try to to play the way that he does um, as a guy that you know only registers about 175 centimeters relies on agility and, and confidence. And I don't think he had any agility or confidence in his knee uh, with that PCL injury and, and choosing to play him in those early stages um, really, really disadvantages. Uh, the, 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 yeah. No, I, uh, I, I agree with that, Nagy. I think if you're playing someone that small, he needs to be able to, 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 to make ground up in defence and then also uh, attack the line uh, with confidence in attack. And, and, and we, we saw that. If you watch the early games, like the rounds one, two, I know we won those games, but 
But like everything up until he did that injury, I feel like he was a different player. Uh, and and you, you took, we, we took that away from him, but then we continued to play him. And because there was no one else, and that's that's an attack on Aaron Depp, but uh, but to to continue to play him in, in, and expect him to play uh, already stepping up into first grade, and then expecting to step up again and play in first grade with an injury was something that we should have never put him through because I don't believe he's a, he's a halfback without ability. I think he's a halfback at full strength. He can play at NRL standard. Uh, and we just didn't give him an opportunity to do so. We, we, we put him out there uh, a little bit shot, and, um, and we took away all of, all of his attributes. Um, I'll, I'll, I could go on, but I'll, I'll pass it over to, to Joe or Bretto uh, to, to continue on. What was the mental injury? Was it everyone else? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, what I, it's what I suffered. Uh, no, the mental injury, I, I think, is it, – well, it, well, it's more to um, – in, in the St. George game uh, that we had, uh, that I felt like we were uh, on top for 60 minutes. And then in the last 20 minutes, there was a uh, – you know, we, we seemed to lose it, it, it but mainly because um, – you're gonna to have to forgive me. I can't remember his, his name. The, 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 our six, our six that was so good for us. Kalen Ponga. No, 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 no. <laughs> who, who was our six guys? Just refresh. Like, I've got a blank. I, I, I had the, the the team up before, and I've forgotten. Um, this is why you know you should never you should you should never have me on a, on a podcast <laughs> at any stage. Um, the fuck is his name? Jake Clifford. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I couldn't remember. Thank you. I'm so glad that someone else couldn't remember his name. I was like, Jake, try that at me, Cliff, because that's an easy one. Jake Clifford. There was a moment where Jake Clifford was Can I even... just say, there's, there's not all nine of our listeners switching off right now, going, these fuckers don't even know the so players' names. <laughs> the other worst part, I've got his name in my on my Word document in front of me. It is the one name, that, and I've got it all in caps. <laughs> Bottom three, number one, I'm Cliff. Hoping, I'm hoping that the nine listeners, right, all are going, what's that guy's name? Anyway. Uh, the, I'm just making a mental note. Uh, 53 minutes. Yep, we edit that part out. Continue. <laughs> so Jake Clifford, right? Jake Clifford is the mental injury uh, that I think we had. Is someone that uh, started the season so well, and I don't think that the, um, the, the first two rounds should be considered because – it should encompass the first two trials as well. You know, he scored a try in in uh, in the the two trials and the two first grade games. He was playing with confidence, and I feel like he had all the physical attributes to be a really strong five uh, eight in the modern day game. He's big. He has a huge game. He's when when he's playing well, he's playing really well, and when he's playing with confidence, you can see it. And and there's something about that St George game that broke him. Uh, and, and and you can see it in the chase when when St George makes a breakdown uh, the left hand side where he just gives up and he never comes back from that. And I don't want to uh, speculate on the reasons why. I don't want to be able. I don't want to say, oh, you know, he should have done better for us. But what the club didn't do is recover from that. The club didn't go. 
you know, we, we, we sort of acknowledged it by saying, oh, he needs to spend some time on the sidelines. And there were some whispers of why, the reasons of what, but, which I'm not going to get into. But but we didn't have any plan B for Jake Clifford. And uh, the same way we didn't have any plan B for, for Adam Clune. Uh, and we just continued. You didn't have a plan B for Mitchell Pearce. Well, exactly right. You can, you can say the Clune and Clifford thing was, was the, the plan B for, for Mitchell Pearce. And the fact that we continue to roll out this same side that was, on retrospect, almost destined to lose because you had a halfback that uh, that just w- w- physically couldn't perform and a 5'8 that mentally couldn't perform. Uh, and we continue to put them out there against top-line play- uh, top teams to, to almost go out there and fail and hammer home the fact that they were playing uh, with injury. And... Uh, that I think encompasses our whole season. But I've got a, I've got a, another uh, dot point here on uh, Anaro Tawala, but I don't want to, um, I don't want to go into it just yet. But uh, but I will because I've got everyone's attention. Uh, so, <laughs> look, Anaro Tawala in many respects represents the Newcastle Knights in 2022. Now, Anaro Tawala is is someone that. Uh, you know, if you put him in, in in the 17 of any other team, he wouldn't necessarily be starting every game. But he starts for us because he tries his guts out and plays potentially above his ability. And you don't hold that against him. And that's a very Newcastle thing. You try your guts out for the team, you don't hold that against them. But but really, if you look at the, the, the comp of the NRL, um, they're, they're, the top-line sides don't hold on to players that try their guts out and are mediocre. You know, and it, it's, it's the unfortunate thing about Anaro Tuala is that he just grips on to first grade by, you know, by his fingernails. And we respect that because he's doing so well considering his ability. And other teams would see that as he's someone that shouldn't be in the team. You know that if he was in Penrith, he wouldn't be playing. If he was in the Storm, he wouldn't be playing. He just he's someone that tries his heart out but is never going to reach the goal. That is 100% why Dom Young is so incredibly talented for what he's done. Because yes. he's a guy that doesn't even know rugby league. He's new to the actual game itself. He came out here... Not and the Knights weren't even sure whether he could play to a reserve grade standard because he was so raw. And in two years here, he's with that around him, everything changing every week. He's now a premier winger in the game. Can I summarise why? Like, and, and this is like a, a key point. I think is someone that that the Knights see as like someone to fill a hole. They, yes. they, 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 they can move him around and be like, well, he'll play just as good then. You know, he's, he's been a top try scorer in 20, 2020, 2021. Uh, you know, he's a constant performer, so we're going to throw him around. But if you compare him on, on a Knights back line, he's always been that, 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 that whole filler. If you compare him to, yes. uh, like, uh, let, let, let's say, this, if you put him in Canberra, if you put him in... Uh, uh, you know, the Storm, the Roosters, or Penrith, or, or Parramatta. He just doesn't cut the grade. Look, what, look, what I really hate about uh, Newcastle and I supporters is they, they you know, malign certain players. They say, oh, like, I'm oh, here Josh, for Josh, this. 
and, yep. and this this isn't this isn't what I'm about. I'm not about attacking an RHL. I'm using an RHL as an example of why we don't see success, yeah. and it's because uh, because we don't have. You could even uh, go, go back to my my larger point, which I was going to bring up later in the pod, is about the the long term plan. You know what I mean? Like it's constantly like chopping and changing this athlete's role and thinking, well, he'll be able to compete with a player that's playing opposite him that's played there for the last two or three years. And that's not fair. That's not fair on Renari. That's not fair on uh, uh, that's not that's not fair on the club. But but the assumption that someone with X amount of talent, let's call him a seven out of ten, you know, uh, that you can just continue to cut the legs from under him and, and put him in different positions and then hope that we find the treasure at the end of the uh, end of end of the light there. Go, oh well maybe that this is gonna end in the success. Like, you know, at the end of the twenty twenty one season, you would have thought he would just have his position on the wing. You thought, oh well that he's a winger now because, you know, in the twenty twenty one season he had a quiet season at center. He, you know, he scored six or seven tries at uh, at wing in, in a very short period of time. You thought, well, great, he's going to be a winger. Found himself back in the centres very, very quickly, whether that is because of injuries to Bradbury Best or whatever the case might be. But this utility back, uh, because he's a constant performer, is the reason why we don't find success. It's because yeah, other... No, I agree with that. He's, he's sellies. We, we keep trying to find the gap filler. We're, we're sort of continuously using this sort of depth player when we really need to find a premium player. You just nailed it. You just nailed it, Carlo. That's the issue. We've got so many gap fillers in our squad. And how, many, how, many guys, how many guys in our squad could you look at him and go, well, he's such and such and his position is such and such? Bugger all. Like, even our forwards. Like, even our back rowers, they switch sides. They switch from, from edge to lock. You know, our halves, 5'8", uh, half back, our centers and winger swap every week. You know, uh, we have bloody five eights to play fullback. It's yeah, we we have a team of gap fillers. You think of his best season, right? His best season for us. To our Kurt Man, okay. Kurt Man was when they said, "All right, Kurt, you're just playing five eight. That's just what's happening, right? You're our five eight. He's not right. He's not naturally a five eight. But they just said, "This is your spot." We're not moving you. You're not going to fullback. You're not playing hooker. You're just playing five eight. And that year, he was our he was he was one of our best players. I was stunned that year when he didn't win the Danny Badiris medal because they, it, because and it is it's it's as Ben Darwin said it's it's time it's time in a position and it's time in combinations and and Anari has I think as you said Nagy they keep going yeah yeah he's a winger he's a winger he's a winger he's just a center this week let's play him in center and it's like. He's a really bad center. He's a really good winger. Um, maybe really good. So oh, I, I, I feel bad. I've crapped on Anari a couple of times. I quite like him, and I think he could be our third. He could be our, our third choice winger, and he could be in that Alex Johnston mold of like okay. he can finish, and he's never going to make you yardage. But you know, it's it's the it's the constant. Where does he play? Well, he can play here. Or he can play there. It's like that's not an answer though. You know what Anari's biggest problem on the wing is? We don't have a yardage no. fullback. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. Alex Johnson you gets away because we got we got Latrell. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right, Brett. And, like, looking... But this is, like, goes back to my larger point about the Knights not having a plan, right? 
And this is... Uh, yeah, now, I wanted to talk to you about... Because I wanted to talk to you about this, Nagy. Because I did... For, I, I had a chance to catch up on um, on your messages in respect to... My voice messages. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this was, this was great. And because um, this is something that Bretto and I were sort of speaking, at before, speaking about before we started recording tonight, many, many hours ago. And strategy. Yeah. I, I think that is a key word. As a Knights fan, we don't know what's going on behind closed doors. But as a Knights fan, that is a word for the men's team that we really, I, I don't feel like it gets a lot of prominence because it certainly isn't a word that it, it, that it screams out to me when I look at the men's team. Strategy. Well, what, what's the strategy with the way we're building this, this NRL team? Let's not try to look backwards. Let's look forwards and be, you know, a bit pragmatic with this whole thing. But still looking at 2023 with the same perspective as 2022. Now, the um, getting um, players like Gamble and getting players like Elliot and getting players like uh, there's one of the, the fellow from the Warriors, what's his name? Hetherington. Uh, Hetherington. It's like these are all all sort of, you know, positive signings that I think could add value to the club, especially with the departure of, of, of Barnett and whatnot. However, uh, losing players like Edric Lee uh, and, and and having the big question mark over Ponga, is he playing fullback or is he playing 5 eight, uh, is always going to really, like, blunten our uh, attack. Like, of like, are we looking right now, with Tyson Gamble on the side, are we looking for a six? Are we looking for a seven? Or are we looking for a one? No one no one really knows until someone comes to the market. Roger Tulvaisa-Shek in the last two weeks have, has come to the market. Everyone goes, great, you can go fullback. Pong goes six. Hooray. We've got a team. But it's like, why are we waiting until the days before the grand final? Yeah, I'll, before... I'll tell you the answer to that, Nagy. I know exactly the answer to that. Is because we're waiting for the next Andrew Johns. I'm telling you that that is Andrew Johns has been the biggest blessing, disguise almost disguised. Sorry, the biggest blessing, but in a lot of ways a, a sort of implied curse on the club. Club is because we're looking for the silver bullet. We're always looking for the star. So you know, and to be honest with you, the the the, the great teams of that late nineties, early two thousands were built off. You know, Danny Badiris, Andrew Johns, Ben Kennedy, star players. And I'm going to jump in on that. Do I that. don't think that it's it's an Andrew Johns we're waiting for this time around. It's a Mitchell oh, Pierce. Nice. Yeah. It's but it's it's like, do you know what we're going to do? We're going to wait because at the end of the year we'll get ourselves another Mitchell Pierce, and it's like that happened once. Also, <laughs> also, guys, Cooper Cronk was the one you were after, not Mitchell Pierce, but that's and, fine. And look, Carlo, you spoke of earlier, uh, it might be in the previous pod, depending on how we release this, but that you spoke about you hate how um, there's a bit of a revisionist history within rugby league. And I would really hate if everyone remembers the, the time of Mitchell Pierce as the time of prosperity amongst the night. Sure, he brought us off, off the bottom. But, you know, only towards the end of his career could he bring us into the finals and then not make a dent. And, and it's not about, like, you know, finding that Mitchell Pierce is an important cog in the wheel. And at the moment, we have so many cogs, but the wheel isn't turning. And I think it's the same as, like, 
what what good teams have. Let, let's look at the Storm this year. Um, as, 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 as low cost recovery. No, hang on, hang on. Before we get onto the storm, I still want to. I, I still want to finish off on the Knights this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not departing too far, but but in many ways it's connected. Like you know, losing Dale to uh and then um, having the, the the backup for um, uh, for for Pappenhaus, and then then signing Nick Meany, and then signing. Um, Josh King, you know, and then that looks like ridiculous signings for any other club. But you, you couldn't put anything past that Nick Meany and Josh King didn't do a, a fantastic job for the Storm throughout the season as those replacement fullbacks and that locked forward position. It, and there's something about purposely recruiting to fill a role rather than purposely recruiting to get a name to the club. And I don't think the Knights have, have, have really found, like, they're like, this is a cog that's going to fit into our wheel. They just say, that's a cog, and we're going to jam it in and then hope that the wheel keeps turning. You know, and, uh, one thing I'll, I'll say in regards to the Storm, you know the difference? The difference is they have transcendent talents in their team. They have Cameron Munster, who this year was, I don't doubt, was the best player in the world this year. That's the difference. You can plug guys in when you've got the elite of the elite. And whenever we think of KP, there's nothing he's done yet in his career that makes him the elite of the elite. That's the difference. We 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 could we could easily build a team the Storm have if KP was what we think KP could be. We don't have an elite talent anywhere on the field. That's our problem. I I, I support that, Fred. I, mean, I, I really like I, I think that if we look at KP, my criticisms of other like you know, star. Uh, let's let's go on fullbacks. If we look at Turbo, for example, I'm always critical of Manly to bat Turbo so hard. In the fact that, that he's only had one fantastic season out of the last four, and he's, they've struggled to keep him on the field for those Correct. other ones due, yep. due to like you know hamstring injuries or shoulder injuries, whatever. And then now we're almost tossing with that now with KP that we've got our highest paid player that we can't keep on the field. For four games in a row, uh, so I, I think you know we you know we didn't really see a Braley Ponga game, um, you know, for consistently. But, but but you know one of my highlights that that, that Carlo asked me was was the return of Jaden Braley from another significant injury. Like, to do hang on, so are we are we counting down your your top three positive moments for the season, Nags? Well, I've had so much voice time; it's got to it's got to hit there eventually. Can yeah, I tell you something, Maggie? Please keep talking because we are a, like you have no idea how much we've missed the joust. Since you I'm pretty sure you and I were DMing, going, "Hey, you bring you back the joust?" Like, oh no, I'm too busy for that. I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure we can use the joust. So please don't stop. If the joust is more farcical, I will talk about it a lot. If I was being honest, though, like in my what I would say is that my criticisms of someone again, like you know, Turbo, you can't keep him, he, he's a racehorse, but you can't keep him on the field. I think you know things that went against us in the last. Let's look at the last third of the season when we didn't win any of our last eight games. We won one of our last eight games, which is our worst of. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure we won two of our first eight, 
three of our third eight and only one of our last eight. And, you know, despite promises from A&B. that is so depressing. Yeah, and, 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 like, and, and I think there was the, the hope that, you know, there would be a K, KP plus Braley combination there. And we saw Braley do well. This was a highlight of my season was to see Braley come back from not only an Achilles tendon injury, but someone to come back in less than two years from an Achilles tendon and an ACL injury. And to see him still be able to be like a very, like to show the class of the hooker. I was so happy to see that. But again, we had no KP there as part of the spine. So to, Nagy, to really- no, I'm gonna yeah, because I'm gonna I'm gonna step in there. It's actually an interesting point that you do raise there in terms of, I, I think it's easy to underestimate what Jaden Braley actually did bring to this team when he did return, considering where he'd come from over the last two and a half years. It's the expe- expectation that he's going to come back as the round one. Jaden Braley that we signed, you know what I mean? Like, and I don't, and and for him to come back from an ACL and still play the way he did, you're like, that's fantastic. Then throw an Achilles tendon injury on the top of that. Are we going to end up with like, you know, a Hodgson sort of like very mechanical sort of like he still has the skills, but he's clearly in slow motion sort of a hooker. Uh, and and I know that they, they sit on very different sort of uh, levels as far as what they bring to the side, but I still think your Ford pack, you know, adds a meter off a good hooker. Uh, and and for him to bring that back was fantastic, but at the same time, it almost overlaps perfectly with, with Ponga just saying, well, I'm not going to play ninth anymore. Like, you know, for, for very good reasons, for his own injury, you know, I rate the, the head trauma as the same as, like, if doing an Achilles tendon. Like, he's got to be able to be able to come back from that. But if we're looking at just the Knights and just their spine and you throw in the Jake Clifford, uh, you know, sort of loss of confidence or calling that a mental injury for whatever the, the source of that might be, and then you throw in the Adam Clune physical injury that he has to come back from, you know, it was battered. And you look at the rest of the team and you think, Surely this should be a team that's performing better. Surely this is a team that is needs to be performing like uh, at a higher level. And it, it was only boosted by something that was again in my positive from the season. We've seen Jacob Saifidi play the way he did in Game Three, and you're like, what? this is what it. Nagy, this is one of the all-time great rants that we've ever had on Bay Fifty Three Pod. This is amazing. <laughs> it's 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 the question of seeing everything in in about round what seventeen of seeing like the you know the likes of, of James Sofidi to play his guts out for New South Wales. You think why can't he bring that home? Why can't he do that for New South? Why can you that? Why can't he do what he does for New South Wales? For the Newcastle Knights, and it's it, it like you know it, it really like clenches the side of the head, and you're thinking, I don't know, but I don't know if he's got as as, as previously been stated. I don't know if he's got the team around him to be able to do it because you can see the ability, you can see the talent, but why can't it be applied to to club level? I'm no expert. I just love the game. 
but more than that, I love the community. If you're a fan of rugby league or the NRL, you'll love Big T's Tees. Unique, affordable and made for fans. Find a link to the online store in the show notes below. You'd look good in one of Big T's Tees. Um, the 85 tries game was was great. Like, I really loved that um, for Eddie, who's had such a hard time off the field with injury. Um, I was I was so happy for him to get those five tries to cement a place in the Newcastle Knights history books. I thought it was well-deserved, yes. and he's been such a positive influence and such a rare shining light um, throughout his whole time at the club. Um, and a big, like, you know, king of the kids is, you know, gets chucked around, but, like, my nephew um, loved him, and I know that it was, it was just like, get in line, kid, mate. Everyone loves Eddie, but like, kids were such big fans. He was such a, a huge presence, and he had that amazing smile, and um, you know, and he scored really athletic tries. You know, with with his his pickups would be awesome, or he'd just pick an amazing um, time and and grab an intercept. But he also he jam in in defence and absolutely belt blokes, and yeah, he it's. He's one of those rare players that I'm simultaneously devastated to see leave, but also really happy for him to secure his future. I hope he plays for Queensland again. I wish nothing but the best for Edric Lee. He was fantastic. And for him to get five tries was a just a great night. Agreed. Um, that was, yeah, that was awesome. Um, I'll come back to Eddie on a different matter when we talk about some of my issues with the Knights. But um, um, the second one was um, a, a day that uh, you and I and, and Thor shared where we went down to watch the Roosters game. That was just a yeah. day. Um, it was a good day. Yeah, like like start to finish, everything about it was amazing. Like even getting the bus down, like it, it sounds like if you're not from Newcastle or if you don't often go to Sydney from Newcastle, that it might sound terrible, but it's actually a massive win when they go track work. You got to get the bus. It's like sweet, we're going direct. We don't have yeah. to go through every single stop along the way. <laughs> so that's where I'm at with my positives for the night season. That we got to get the bus instead of the train to get to. Where we're <laughs> that's one of the other good things. And then I'm kind of like I don't know, KP signing with us, kinda, but also like. It didn't feel good at the time. It kind of felt, it was like someone had been treading on your throat and then like got off and you could breathe. And it's like, I don't know that we call that good. It's just not terrible. Like, oh, KP is staying. Thanks for letting me breathe again now. Um, positive? Uh, it's better than it was. At least we're not waiting anymore. <laughs> so the, they're my three. Yeah. KP not leaving because at least it didn't hurt as much as the day before when maybe he still was. Bruno, do you want to do – what do we want to – do we want to get our three positives out of the way and then finish on the negatives? Or do you want do you want to let Joe just smash his negatives out as well and then we'll keep moving through through the hosts? Yeah, let, let Joe go through. All right, Joe. Hit us with your negatives, mate. Um, okay, so Nagy talked about it, and it does sort of feed into my Edric Lee issue as well, was that Jake Clifford suffered this mental injury, is what we've been led to believe based on 
one throwaway comment from Adam O'Brien in a post-match press conference, and then about four months of rumour and innuendo. I can tell you what I've heard about what's going on with Jake Clifford, but I don't want to get sued. I I think we've all got, we've all heard the various things that what's going on with Jake Clifford. It is evidence of something that I saw earlier this year when um, the new club, V, um, announced that it was going to be V Dolphins. And someone who uh, is a rugby league fan, but also worked in marketing pointed out that when there is a gap, people will fill it with what they choose to fill it with. So you can say it's the Dolphins, but people are going to call it Redcliffe. And if you'd been smart enough to just say North Brisbane, then they would have called it North Brisbane. But you've left a gap, so now you're going to be Redcliffe, even though that's not what you want. By not telling people what's going on with Jake Clifford, the gap was filled with rumour and innuendo. Some of it was unkind. Some of it was perhaps fair. Who knows? You know, he's he's been dragged through the mud for reasons that we don't know if they're true or not, because no one at the club just said, here's what's going on with Jake. They don't have to give us a detailed breakdown. They don't have to tell us everything that's going on with the guy, but for him to just disappear and for the coach to go, oh yeah, he's having some off the field issues. Then suddenly the rumor mill kicked into overdrive and everyone had a theory and everyone had a friend of a friend who knew what was going on, but the club needed to step in and fill the void and say, Here's a bit of basic information about what's going on. Jake will be back or Jake won't be back or that's what's happening. Jake Clifford's entire career is in this state of, of flux. I dare say it's in jeopardy. And he, from what I can gather, maybe he was getting great support behind the scenes, but he is a public figure in this town. He was our great hope for the halves he was the guy that was supposed to play alongside mitchell pierce throughout this year and then take over as the dominant half moving forward instead he's dropped off the face of the earth and no one knows what's going on and never mind that it's like kind of disrespectful to the fans it's fucking bullshit on him because instead of here's what's going on it becomes yeah well you make it up you tell me what you think and it is exactly what happened with edrick lee last year when it was like he broke his toe and it's like, that's cool. Um, I guess he'll be back in round three then. And then he missed an entire fucking season and no one said anything. And it was like, guys, you just got to fill us in just a little bit. Like he's re-injured it. Turns out it's more serious than we thought. Like it turned into this 18 month saga because he broke his, t- I've broken my toe before. It hurt and it didn't take 18 months to get better. So that's when you start to go, what's really going on? What's actually happening with Edric Lee? <laughs> Turns out a series of very increasingly serious medical conditions were what occurred. Why they didn't just say that baffles me. I have no idea, but uh, it, you, you're just left to be like, oh, okay, so we're just a bunch of mugs to you. We pay our money, we turn up, you guys lose. Sometimes it's because of legitimate reasons. For example, perhaps someone is having, we don't know, perhaps someone's having mental health issues. Perhaps, you know, a really important player has suffered a really serious injury. Can you tell us about that? No, no, we're not going to do that. That would be far too logical. Why would we ever tell you, the paying public, the the members who fork out their hard-earned and turn up, why would we give you such basic information as to the health 
of a person whose health is the reason that they can play a game. This is Joe, very- Joe, we, 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 um, <laughs> continue. This episode's going to be called The Rants. I feel like this episode's going to be called The, um, the Release. The, uh, <laughs> I've just made a, a note. One hour twenty-eight. Review Joe's uh, negative. <laughs> yeah, you guys have got an in-house lawyer, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Bredo. All right. Oh, yeah, sweet. All right, Joe. Negative number two. Negative <laughs> number two. Um, look, the Clem debacle was was just embarrassing, wasn't it? Um. And I'm I'm happy to open that one up to the floor. I I was listening to the the Robbie M's um, episode, and I think it was uh, Bretto who sort of raised the the fact that it's like it, it can't have been an isolated incident. You don't have this one-off thing where Clem tells a trainer, no, you know, um, whilst adjusting his monocle, it says. Really, Hayden, I'd rather stay on the field this afternoon because that was, <laughs> that's what I understood him to have said. Um, and and that, that is what leads to Clem being stood down, fines imposed, and Hayden Knowles leaving the club. It's like, yeah. right, so what really went on, guys? Maybe a bit of information. I won't go off on my lack of information rant again, but that was embarrassing, like really embarrassing for the whole club and was indicative of like, what, what the fuck's going on with the broader issues in this joint if this whole thing plays out the way that it does and a guy quits over it. Mm. I want to hear your third negative. <laughs> and then we'll jump over to um to Bredo. Oh mate, I'm I'm done. <laughs> I got I got so upset about two things. Let's 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 give give Bredo. <laughs> Bredo, look, I'm 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 leaving with you, Bredo. In terms of, do you want to take the floor, or do you want to finish with the um with the positive positives and the negatives? Oh yeah, either way, mate. Um, yeah. Can I can I just say first of all the highlight of the year no doubt at all was eighty five tries. Yeah, eighty five tries was the highlight of this season. And as well, Joe said, historic. Not just, not just that night itself, the whole Eddie thing, what Eddie is to the club, what he'd been through. Yeah, eighty five tries was the highlight of this season by a mile. Although that um, was that bus trip. <laughs> Brenna, I'm I'm going to give you the final word. Although Nagy, and bearing in mind, we did give you 20 minutes to air your sorry, positive I'm so, negatives. I'm, I'm so sorry. It just it became just something that I couldn't stop. No, don't apologise. It was it was great content. I I don't know how much of it is going to go to air, but um, it was great content. Do you want us to swing back to you for your positives and negatives, or have you felt like you've had your say? Look, I, I think I think I, I touched on some positives. One being Jaden Bradley come back to the. The club, which I, I think is a, a huge positive. The other one is the rise of Dom Young. I think at the beginning of the season, he wasn't a first-grade player. In the end, he yeah. proved himself to be, you know, a premier first-grade player. I think he was a killer me. He was a killer me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Bredo. I'm sorry. But also, I'm going with Bredo, like, you know, at the beginning of the season, 
Brendan, you can say like, you know, he has all the physical attributes to be the best. And I think towards the end of the season, he, he showed just, just how good, you know, he could be. Uh, and, 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 and like, I, I think he showed moments of it, but those moments became bigger throughout the season. Uh, as you just like, yeah, he is our winger. He is our guy. Um, but look, that, that, that's the other positive that, that, that there should be some attention towards. But I'll, I'll swing it back to Bredo. So he, so he's not, you know, he doesn't get lost in this encompass of rage against the Newcastle Knights. Can I say two things that I love to see from uh, from Dom was him absolutely dumping Daniel Tupo, which it's like, geez, that takes a lot of physicality to do because Daniel Tupo is a big human being. And then ten weeks later, him 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 absolutely burning Josh Addo Carr, and it's like, geez, he's fast because you got to be fast to catch the fox. And it's like that's the athlete we've got in our team. He can do both those things and make it look pretty easy. Bredo, it's all yours. We're, we won't touch it. <laughs> yeah, Bredo, it's... Look, uh, yeah, I, I want to hear your... Because I, I'm sort of... I, I've obviously been thinking about this for the for the week. Um, and I think the um, the hosts having the uh, the final two say for the se- two saves for the season. Mate, take take it away. What, what were your three highlights and three... Uh, can I ask you to start with your lowlights? So yep. we'll finish yep. up on the positives. Yep. So the low lowlights for me, there's n- absolutely no doubt. Um, my my personal biggest lowlight was the absolute falling off a cliff of Dane Dane Gagai. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we all love gags. Like there's no, you know, Knights fans love gags. But we start he started this year so well. We had so much hope in those early rounds. You know, we we thought, ah, oh, this is the gags that was at South. This is the young gags we'd seen at Newcastle. He's still the player, you know, and to go from that to now, I think it's a general conversation that I just dump his contract. They just eat the money when they've got some spare salary cap the next year and, and eat the whole thing and dump him because he's a liability on the field and that hurts me to say, but it's the truth. Um, some of Bruno, can I, can I say that's I, – I think that's your simultaneously hottest but possibly soundest take – in this pod so far. It's just like he, um, he defends the line in front of us where we in front of both the three, he's on that, on that wing in that corner. And some of the efforts we've seen late in the season right in front of us to let tries in were just, they were beyond, they weren't even embarrassing because he tried. Like you can see him, he tried how devastated he was every time it happened, but he physically couldn't make first grade contact. He just couldn't do it. I don't know what. I don't know. It was pure confidence. There's obviously some injury in there, but my word, it was so bad. And I just, yeah, it's got. We're probably owing 1.2 million. Yeah, I'm really wondering whether we just you know, add 1.2 million to the cap next year and let him go. Do you know what's crazy is that there's a universe somewhere where we pay a whole lot less money to get Peter Hicku. Absolutely. Yep. But that's been our problem. The, all the risks we've taken have failed. We, we've the, our cheap buys haven't worked, and our dear buys haven't worked. That's been the problem. We have we haven't we haven't got guys like like Isaiah Isaiah Papali'i. Like the Tigers get him on six hundred grand. Like we're paying Tyson Frizzell eight hundred. It's yeah. just you know when, when we're getting out done in the market by the Tigers. Like it's just so bad. 
But yeah, anyway, that was that's definitely for me. That's low light. Two. Let's let's charge through the last two, brother. Yeah. So so the um sec, second one. It, to me, it was the Mitch Barnett sending off just because of what it did to our season. Yeah. You know, I think it was an awful thing from Barnett. Like, it was an awful thing he did. But to me, that's rugby league. It had, all teams had that incident, and just the way that just destroyed our season. I just I still can't get my head around. You know how much that that ruined us, and and the third one is not the men, but it's something I, I have to bring up, the way the club handled the Kate Caitlin Moore situation, like just ah oh, mate, it it broke my it absolutely broke my heart, like just for the for the statement to come out and say we fully support the NRL, go to fucking hell. But anyway, I've had my round on that one. No, and before we do finish up on that, Bretto, I I want to because. It's the closest I've seen to you, and we've known each other for a while now, but that was something that pushed you to the brink with the club. Of everything that, like the highs and the lows that you and I have been through with this club, that you and I sort of would, you know, you messaged me about that. And that was, of everything that's, you know, of all the low points that we've had, that was something that what you sort of said to me, that was that was something that really you you started to question whether or not that was um, going to push your support for the club. Yeah, just, just I don't know. It, it, to me, to me, it just, it just broke. It just broke everything that I that I hold dear. Like it just smashed it on the ground. Like I, I, I get, I get the club's position in terms of the club's just come out and said the NRL have made this rule. They made a ruling. There's no point fighting it. We're not going to win. Blah blah. blah. Fine, but we support Caitlin. She's allowed in title, which said it's just people you know have every right to. Have their issues with the Queen, fair enough. Would have been okay with that. Maybe thought, you know, the club should have fought, whatever. But to actually come out in a club statement and say we fully support the NRL, nah, that was that that was it for me. I um yeah, and I'm still not over it. Like I know it's nearly time to renew season tickets, and I'm still thrown up in the air because that still stings. No, mate, and I I, th- I think that's fair enough. It's not. Um, I mean, it's 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 obviously very dissimilar. But I, I was going to say it's not dissimilar to the whole um. All the NRL has to do is outlay a little bit of money in the women's game, and they and there are massive dividends to be reaped later yeah. on. Like it'll totally be yeah. worth it. This was one of those easy, easy wins for the club. It was like, guys, yeah. it, it's 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 just not that hard to say we 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 don't condone what she said, but she's part of our family. Like, well, you can. It's funny you say that, Joe. Whatever you think of what she said, and a lot of people won't agree with it, and fair enough, but she's one of us. That's all yeah. right. That's all that had to be said. Yeah. But, Brett, it, it's even beyond that, is that because I'm pretty sure I've read quotes from Caitlin this week who said, um, I, I haven't felt more support than I did during that week when the fans came out and backed me. And the other reason I mentioned that is because, well, if the like, – if the club is so concerned with their um, perception or the, the way they're viewed in the public in the public domain, well, surely that statement the, the fans backed her. You but know what goes, I mean? This goes in with Joe's rant about the, um, the the lack of information and my many rants this year about how poorly members get treated these days. The club have no idea how to run a PR campaign. They have no idea. Yeah. Like they, they, every time they every time something comes out in that sort of PR circle, they pull the wrong rate every single time. And you know why? 
because they cut all their staff when COVID happened and they haven't employed anybody. So they have no professionals in the club to handle that sort of stuff. They're, they're digi people are just digi people. They're not people that are in marketing or in PR. They're, the membership people are not people that are specialised in that field. They're just basically office workers. There's no specialty in, in those in those issues. And it's, you know, it's blown up in the club's face every single time. Yeah, I saw it this week with the uh, the open training session for the uh, for the women ahead of the. I got the text final. at quarter to four. There's a there's a yeah. session at four thirty. You got the text at quarter to four. That's it. Oh, yeah. So because yeah. I got the the email at half ten in the morning, and it was like, hey, we've got an open training session. I was like, oh great, it'll be Thursday. It was like it starts in six hours. <laughs> yeah, through, my, my text comes through at three four at three forty three. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, like uh, by the time I get home, and so I like I hustled. I got home got my daughter made my way over there and there was like two dozen people like it was such a, a meager turnout and i it was so disappointing because i was like i hope these girls don't think that this is a reflection of the town's passion for what they're doing because like you know there's always these legendary stories of the you know the 97 grand final and people lining up for you know i believe they lined up um like from Brisbane all the way down to Newcastle, just to make the point um, on the on the side of the road, of course. Um, but this time around, a couple of dozen people turn up to watch them train when it's in their city. And it was like, this was such an easy win. And was no one thinking ahead last week? Was no one last week just sort of going, hey, we're probably going to make the grand final. Maybe we get a couple of things in order for how we build up this week to show a bit of support, get the town, get the team, uh, get the town behind the team. We start to let people know that there's going to be an open training session on Monday at 3.45, Greta. How about you get that text just 24 hours in advance? Like, I know they're on a short time period, but you make it a whole lot shorter if you tell people the day of or literally 45 minutes before it happens and then there's nothing but like you can't be surprised when no one shows up so yeah as you say i they're dropping a lot of very um like these these aren't nathan cleary dead ball bombs you know like this this is this is some pretty elementary stuff that is falling by the wayside at the moment down the blind andrew john inside for Bruno, our this satellite is about to burn out of the sky. Let's move on to some positive stuff. Oh, I want to hear your three positives from this season, the, the year that was the tw- that was twenty twenty two. Um, I completely agree with Nagy. The, the Dom Young thing for me, that's my highlight of this season. Yeah, Eddie Dom, those those two those two wingers, you know, obviously they scored the eight tries against the Titans. Those two guys, that's the highlight for me, no doubt at all. Um, sec- second one for me, I'd probably have to say the emergence of our young forwards in the lower grades. And we've got some good some good talent in the forward pack in the lower Interesting. grades. Interesting. Some some like Oren Keeley, we know we see him for a little bit in that Canberra game. Um, yeah, we, we've got some real, real talent in, in the forward pack and the lower grades. So for me, that's number two. And number three, I'm probably, I'm probably going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm def, def, definitely going to give more the fact that 
that tiny game, we gutted when we gutted it out. We eventually kept it <sighs> We didn't play well that day. We played oh, shit. Wow. But we actually gutted it out. And he, and I was fully expecting that day to first to implode. I'm, I'm speechless I'm by that. Okay, the boys really know what was up, what was on the line today, and they, you know, and they went away with the camels, and we always get belted, and yeah, and got home. So yeah, I'll, I'll take those three. I'm um, I'm genuinely surprised by that last positive because, I mean, and I agree that 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 Tigers game ultimately was a huge positive. It it, it saved us from the the wooden spoon and. The last thing Knights fans needed was another sp- another wooden spoon in the last five years, six years. But yeah, that's that's that, uh, uh, that one has um, that one has blindsided me, mate. I'm um, I'm very impressed with that. I won't lie. Um, we'll say about, uh, one thing, just kind of getting on you, Carlo, uh, is is no, go. Exactly what, yeah, saving from the wooden spoon is huge because I've always been on of the thought that people remember. Premierships or maybe minor premierships and wooden spooners, and they're really the only three that counts. Uh, no one really, really remembers minor premierships. People remember people that win the premiership and the spoon, yeah. and that's about it. If you can finish somewhere in the midst of the bottom four or the top four, it gets forgotten about within two to three years. Yes. So to, to avoid those two things, just in memory and history and supporting a club that you know, won three spoons on the trot that are cemented in history forever. Uh, it's it's really, really important to avoid that wooden spoon just so you don't get remembered as, you know, the, the doldrums of that year. It's still Manly's claim to fame. Manly's still spirit. They're the only long-term club that never won the spoon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was even chatting to, uh, I think when, when the Joust was chatting to... Oh, who was it? Um, uh, Matt Hilbert, uh, talking about the Sharks uh, in and saying, oh, we probably should have got the spoon that year, but it went to, uh, oh, when was it? There was, a, there was a year that they were speaking about, oh, we should have got the spoon. We were the worst team, but it went to this team, and that's what everyone remembers. Uh, 2014, and, maybe, because of the darkest yeah, day in no, sport, but, but, but for us Matt, it was the Alex McKinnon season. No, that would have been pre- I couldn't. I couldn't remember why Matt Hilda brought up, but he was just like, "Oh, we should have got the spoon that year, but we didn't." And that was like almost like a victory, even though they finished fifteenth. And I, and um, uh, but anyway, moving forward, uh, it's really important to really to avoid the spoon because it's just not. It's just something you want hanging over your shoulders going into the next season, despite it needing to be almost a reset for most teams, which I think we we we've done enough to get a reset. Uh, but, <laughs> but sorry, I'll, I'll pass it back to you, Carlo, so we can uh, we can friend ourselves. Not no, no, no. I, for Tigers fans, but when they go, oh, the only way is up. It's like, oh, well, actually, you could do it for three years in a row. Hey, like, <laughs> <laughs> gentlemen, we've um, it, it's been a marathon session. Can I tell you something? This is the longest recording session that we've had this season and i cannot think of a more appropriate um first of all occasion 
but um, possibly um, group of people to um, to do it. Gents, I'm I'm going to smash through my worst my my top three worst moments from the season uh, because I just want to I'm just going to get that nastiness out of the way. Um, the Broncos game at home just awful. Um, Joey's birthday, uh, our season on the line, you know, as seemed to happen a fair amount this year. Um, and our inability to beat a, a fairly average Broncos team. And they they are an average Broncos team in terms of where they placed this season. You know, they had an easy draw and they still failed to make the eight. Uh, yeah, that was the 19th of May 2022 was a, um, a, a bit of a low point for the season, uh, as well as just, you know, my experience in the in, in the crowd that, that night. My second, uh, my second low point for the season, and I- I'm going to talk about it, is Knights fans' reaction to KP. In respect of a combination of his performances for the team, but also our fans, and I'm talking our fans in terms of Knights fans' reaction to the way he played for Queensland, I sort of... We- we've got a generational talent. talent. Whatever anybody thinks about Kalen Ponga, whether you oh he should do more for the Knights, he should, you know, we we should be better. Whatever you think of Kalen, we have a generational talent who's committed himself to the Knights for the long term future. And I just thought the way he performed in Origin three, it, it, obviously he played for he was representing Queensland, but he was he was playing that as as a Knights player. And I was I was just really disappointed that Knights That's fans... the second biggest game of the year. And Origin aside, it was the second best game of the year. Yeah. He was man of the match. Yeah. And it just it, it just sort of... It, uh, it As a New South Wales fan, it was hard enough watching us lose the series in, in a decider. But you'd sort of like to think that as a Knights fan, well, we can take some positive from this in terms of one of our own was you know, one of the bigger performers. And it just it just sort of, I don't know, I found it really confusing that Knights fans were like, oh, what, you know, they, they still found it as an opportunity to to not give him the the credit that he really deserved. And and I, I just, you know, as I, generally this season, I, I just thought fans, if we could just get a little bit more behind KP, you never know if that, that fan support might get the best out of him. But... The hands down, Bredo, <laughs> the worst, the, the 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 number one worst experience for me for the Bay Fifty Three podcast was when Bredo was momentarily given um, admin rights to our social media, and he said that anybody this year that thinks that the Knights aren't going to be top six is kidding themselves. And that is a tweet <laughs> that we can no longer get rid of. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we spoke about revisionist history and, you know... Did, I, did I mention it was NROW I was talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think I, I sort of use that as as more of a vehicle to... You know, we were so high on the on the, on the the men's team to start the season off the back of what the club had told. You know, Bredo and I, we started this pod 
because we saw we thought there was an opportunity there. You know, the club was confident. They were like, we've got a good squad here. We've been building for a few years. And Bredo and I saw an opportunity to back the club. We were like, you know, even if it's only, a, a, you know, 100 people who listen to us, that's still 100 more people that we're going to get on board with the support this year. And we were... We were blindly confident until, oh, Bredo, I reckon round seven, that, that this team was able to achieve something this year. And, um, yeah, that, that's, that, it's, it's, it's an obvious low light for me that we, we backed the club to the hilt and they just, they just failed to deliver. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably what's ultimately led to this feeling like one of the, the no, the worst season that we've experienced as a um, as a Knights fan. I'm firmly locking us in next year for top 16. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I, can I also say, like, if there's any consolation, uh, the you know the first time that the Jets uh, had their 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 season sort of uh, on the Knights was 2017, which again was slightly worse, only slightly worse than it was uh, this year. So. Uh, but we but we still got the spoon. So uh, you know, there you know, there might be some some light beyond the uh, at the end of the tunnel there. Possibly. How many how many wins was twenty seventeen? Was it three? Five. Five. five, five. Yeah, it was, it was five, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah, winning streak, yep. wasn't there? We, 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 we were probably considered the informed side from twenty one to to twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> that was when Brock Lamb was on fire. We're like, oh. He was a boy. At he, that he game against he, Parramatta. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's yeah, a game yeah. my head to the Parramatta game. Now, Brett, no, I do need to, Brett, I do need to clarify. When you say top 16 next year, is that you guaranteeing we don't get the wooden spoon? Yeah, the, the, the Dolphins are the worst rugby league team we've ever seen. I was like, Brett, seriously, I, he's, I, he's I, look, I, look at this, I can't find five first graders. I, I agree with Bredo. I, I, this is this is my firm response. I agree with Bredo. So so yeah yeah. The Dolphins have got to be um, got to be the worst. Wait, the wait, only that, way they'll beat our 2016 team is as Bennett versus Brown. It's the only way they they beat us. <laughs> wait, just wait four <laughs> months, Bredo. You and I will come back and go. Well, we never expected that from the Dolphins. I'm, 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 <laughs> wait, now, if, if Wayne Bennett gets in the top twelve. He's officially no the debate about being the goat coach is over. If he no. get in the top twelve, he's the goat. You no, know, it's not just they don't have five first graders. I don't think they've got seventeen players yet, do they? Oh, I know. Like, <laughs> they still don't have our team. Oh, well, well, yeah. Gentlemen, I, I'm going to use this uh, semi-positive uh, contact uh, subject, mate. Let's let's segue into something positive. Let, let's f- finish on a positive. This is the um, the K Dog the K Dog's um, top three uh, moments, as it were, from uh, the year that tw- that was twenty twenty two. Coming in at uh, number three, the round one win. I-, I-, I think I don't think there's anybody that can that can argue with with that. You know, we uh, when was the last time we won in Sydney? It w- it was our first win at the SCG. Everybody had us as the unbackable. Uh, sorry, the, the the prohibitive um, uh, outsiders. Uh, the the Roosters were supposed to get an easy win, and and I'll never forget with five minutes to go, myself, Joe, my cousin, just shouting at Roosters fans as they were walking down the aisle. Um, uh, la la, wave goodbye, and it was it was it it just felt good 
to be um, not embarrassed about being a Knights fan in Newcastle. And um, it was it was awesome. I was, I was glad we were there. I'm glad that our last game at the SCG was a win. And um, it, it, like there were no players on the day that that we sort of you know every 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 player for the, that put on a Knights jersey that day uh, did themselves proud. And that was that was the Newcastle way, as Ron Ron Griffiths would say. And that was definitely one of the top three. Um, positive moments for the season or at least year 2022 the second one the second one for the k-dog was um kaylin ponga re-signing for five years for um with the newcastle knights it's it's so it, it was actually it was actually sky uh online on twitter who reminded me that or reminded us that you know it's easy to forget for those first few rounds of the season even when we were winning and then finally when we were losing it was exacerbated by well, what was going to happen with Kalen Ponga because he was going to trigger his option to leave and this was supposed to be his last season with the club. And it's so easy to forget that our best player back in May um, not only uh, tied himself to our club for the next five years without any without any sort of caveats or without any options. It's five locked-in years with the club. But also the fact that this idiot would just happen to be off work at the time and I bumbled my way into the press conference and, uh, yeah, I was I was a part of Newcastle Knights history. It's great. They shouldn't be understanding how important that, that is, really. Like, you know, there's lots of criticism. He, he's probably one of the most criticised uh, well, one of the most criticised NRL players, as you say, and he shouldn't be because his talent. I really think he does. He's jigging himself up for like a turbo style year, where you know the talent's there. He just needs time on the field, and he will just let loose. Whether that's twenty twenty three, I don't know. But I, that's the only opportunity that we have. No, I, I look, Breno and I want and I know Sky one hundred percent back you on that, um, Nagy. Look, the, the, the third, this has been the biggest positive for me um, from C. No, sorry. Actually, this has been the um, the second biggest positive for me in season 2022. And I don't know who's still listening by this stage. I mean, what, are, what are we up to, boys? We, we're fucking, we've been going for a while. I, I know, Nagy, you, you needed to, to go a while ago. So, um, um. A couple of comments that Bredo and I got from this season, both from Knights fans and from fans just of gen- of rugby league in general, who sort of said, um, we, we, "We've enjoyed what you guys have put out this year," and and I can tell you that was a, that was actually a really big deal to Bredo and I when, when Bredo and I started doing this. Well, first of all, we didn't think we'd last until round five. We thought <laughs> we thought no one's going to listen to this shit. Big T will get tired of us after a while um but i think it's been a couple of fans external to night the newcastle knights fan base who sort of said oh they're they're not too bad oh you can give them a listen from now to oh you know i I don't mind tuning in from time to time and but for knights fans who have stuck with us this year and have sort of said well this has been a shit year but um, some of the Bay 53 content has actually sort of made it a little bit easier. That's probably been one of the biggest highlights for me personally. 
in, in, in 2022. Because I can guarantee you, it, it hasn't been easy talking about the Newcastle Knights week in, week out. Um, it's It's been fun in terms of some of the people we've gotten to share the experience with, but I, I can guarantee you that people who have just decided to give us their time week in, week out, whether it's been voting on our player of the year or whether it's just been listening to our, our random thoughts on us, uh, sorry, our random thoughts on the team, on the club, that, that hasn't been lost on us. And that has been a huge positive for me personally in terms of, um, you know, putting on a, a set of headphones and just going, well, let's, let's record some thoughts and see what, just see if anybody out there is um, is happy to listen to us. So um, I know we only said three top moments, so that's that's probably been the second moment for me. I think you've been the second moment for the last five moments. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will tell you the, 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 the top moment. The top moment for me was um, watching Millie Boyle in the preliminary final. I think for everything Knights fans this season have endured and gone through, you know, in terms of watching a winless uh, women's season, in terms of watching the men's season fail to de- to deliver or at least disappoint, to reach a semi-final or a preliminary final where not only did the team deliver but an individual player stepped up and stepped up the way that Millie did, that was that actually was you know, the, the highlight for me so far this season. And I just hope that uh, it's a um, precursor to something even bigger on grand final day. So, yes, yeah, so th- those have been the highlights for me personally. And, um, yeah, I just... Uh, thanks to it. Thanks to everybody who's, uh, who's still listening uh, as, we, as we close out the episode. Thanks very much for the opportunity, Carlo. It's been a pleasure to be back on uh, back on record again. Uh, you know, after we want the jazz. We want the jazz. <laughs> <laughs> and can I say? Can I say a, a bit? And I because I, I know. Look, we have been going for a while, and obviously we're going to shut off shortly. A plus contracting and, and poly welding. Like the, there's so much that we've been able to do this year because of their um, backing us and uh, giving us the support. And um, it, it's easy to sort of live in a, you know, oh, everybody just thanks this sponsor. No, we really actually could not have done this without them this year. And uh, I know that I speak for Proto when I say that uh, we are just uh, perpetually thankful for the support that they've given us this year. Absolutely. It's, it's, um, it's a very good yeah. what, what, what a man he is. He's just, he's just so good for the town, so good for rugby league. Absolute legend. It's a hard slog, boys, to do a full season. I know it seems like an easy thing for, for a lot of people sent by just to, 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 it looks like you're just rolling in and giving your thoughts. But to do it uh, for the entire season, it's a real slog. You've done very well. Congratulations, boys, to get through the first season. I'm sure it's going to be an even uh, more prosperous season next year. Uh, but uh, well done, I'm totally enjoyed the podcast. Do you not get that they keep asking for the Jazz to come back so that they don't have to do it again? <laughs> <laughs> Shit, he's on to us. Gentlemen, I, I, I think that is more than a per- We are a precursor to the return of Jazz in 2023. Bretto, thank you very much for co-hosting this with me this year. I, I couldn't have done it without you. Joe, Nagy, thank you for being our special guests to uh, close out the year. I know that we need to uh, close it out sooner rather than later. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, 
enjoy the grand final on Sunday. And uh, yeah, we'll see you in 2023. Go the Knights. And remember, social media isn't a bad place. You just need to follow the right people.